Hello and welcome to your Actives Beyond the Byline podcast. I am Evgeori and this week we are focusing on the COVID-19, the fourth wave the European countries try to avoid, the offered third vaccine dose and the new measures decided by the EU members. We are also talking about the Chinese company that controls the 67% of the Piraeus port, the working conditions that are leading to strikes, the deals signed by the Greek government and the reaction of the environmentalist groups. We are back with the hot topic of the past two years, more or less, and that's no other than the COVID-19. The European countries are preparing for a fourth wave, which in combination with the seasonal flu makes the situation way more challenging uh, for the health sector. Now, in an attempt to explain what we know or we don't know regarding to what is happening in Europe right now, I am joined today by Euractiv's health reporter, Gidre Pesetskite. Gidre, once more we are talking about COVID. So what do we know so far for the fourth wave uh, everyone is afraid of? The fourth wave really reached Europe and it is something that WHO already warned the bloc back in July. Uh, Hans Kluge, the head of uh, WHO European region, said on 1st of July that three conditions for a new wave of access um, hospitalizations and deaths even before the autumn are in place. And what he meant was um, the new variant, uh, which is at the moment Delta variant, uh, then deficit in vaccine uptake and increased social mixing. And actually, Germany announced the fourth wave uh, of the COVID-19 pandemic already in the end of August. Uh, But recently, the World Health Organization announced that there was a 7% rise in new coronavirus cases across Europe, and it's the only region in the world where cases increased as much. So Europe is battling new spikes of COVID-19 cases across the bloc. Which countries struggle the most to control the fourth wave? Eastern Europe and central member states, uh, where there is a lower vaccination uptake and higher vaccination skepticism. So, uh, for example, the number of coronavirus infections recorded so far in Eastern Europe uh, surpassed 20 million on Sunday, 24th October, according to Reuters. And uh, countries in the region have the lowest vaccination rates in Europe, uh, with less than half of the population having received at least a single dose. Uh, So, giving an example, uh, uh, Bulgaria Uh, reached only 26% of their adults um, being vaccinated with at least one COVID-19 shot. And uh, Romania and Slovakia are following uh, with the lowest figures as well. Uh, so this not only stretches the health systems, but it puts uh, the conversation on measures needed to stop the virus spread back on the political agenda and potentially discussions on uh, about new restrictions. Mm-hmm. Just before we talk about the new restrictions and measures, you are referring to the vaccine and we already hear about a third dose being offered. What do we know on that so far? There is a great difference between offering an additional jab to those with weaker immune systems and offering it to the general society. So vaccination for those with weaker immune systems is needed to create an immune response that hasn't been formed uh, because of uh, health issues. Um, So this additional shot of COVID-19 vaccines, um, Emma announced that it may be given to people with uh, severely weakened immune systems at least 28 days after their second dose. Uh, It was announced on October. And uh, in the beginning of October, 
And for the rest of society, um, the booster doses of Moderna and Pfizer may be considered at least six months after the second dose uh, for people aged 18 years and older. Um, but it is hard to say if there is an urgent need for boosters, as the level of antibodies cannot be a single indicator for potential booster dose. Uh, so protection against severe disease is mediated not only by antibody responses, which might be relatively short-lived for some vaccines, but also by memory responses and cell-mediated immunity, which are generally long-lived, but it can be measured only in scientific labs. Uh, so some scientists say that the best indication that there is a real need for an additional dose for a booster dose is when people who have received the full vaccination cycle start falling heavily ill and need the hospitalization. But despite that, for example, some European countries like Hungary, they already started giving a third dose back in summer to anyone who received full vaccination at least four months ago. So um, it really depends on individual country too. And what are the EU countries deciding? Uh, how are they planning to halt the upcoming fourth wave? Uh, I think it can be felt that uh, countries are concerned and uh, they are looking for new measures. Um, uh, it can be felt uh, looking at um, the European Council meeting on 21st, 22nd October, where COVID-19 topic was uh, one of the hottest topics. And um, uh, European leaders uh, focused um, on... Um, vaccination campaigns, like saying that uh, they really helped uh, and they brought significant process in the fight against COVID-19. But there is but uh, that the situation in some member states remains very serious. And council called for efforts to combat vaccine hesitancy by tackling disinformation and notably on social media platforms. But like taking, for example, individual countries, so Bulgaria, which, as I mentioned, has the lowest uh, vaccination rates, Uh, The government imposed recently a health pass entry to most indoor public venues. And this is the way they are trying uh, in one way to stop the spread of the virus, but also to motivate people to take their vaccination. Um, And uh, another country, Belgium, uh, it has a higher um, vaccination rate than EU's average. Uh, but they are already like on Monday, uh, they met and they were discussing uh, what kind of other measures, uh, pandemic measures uh, could be there to um, fight against increasing coronavirus cases. And everyone is scared of having another uh, lockdown. So how possible is this? As one of the Baltic states, Latvia, uh, they already announced a lockdown from 21st of October until 15th of November. Uh, So it is hard to say if other countries will follow its example, but uh, it surely might be, unfortunately. You can find your actives beyond the byline podcast in our podcast newsletter. Subscribe to it on youractive.com slash newsletters. And if you want to expand your knowledge on other EU policy fields, you can listen to our digital brief podcast and agri-food brief podcast. And moving to Athens, Costco employees have gone on a 24-hour strike after an accident in Piraeus port that caused the life of a 45-year-old worker. Now, workers complain about the harsh working conditions that cause employees long-term fatigue and occupational diseases. To hear more on this story, I am joined by Matheus Tsimitakis from Euractiv Greece. 
Mathe, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me uh, on, on the podcast. So things are a bit tense in Greece those days with the workers at the Piraeus port complaining about the Chinese company Costco, which, by the way, happens to control the 67% of the port at this point. Would you like to shed some light on why are the workers and the opposition complaining and what are they asking for? Um, so what happened was that on Monday, a 45-year-old worker um, died in a professional accident on one of those bridges that uh, are, are waiting to unload cargoes uh, from uh, ships in the port of Piraeus. Uh, the accident happened uh, in the starting of his shift And it was the second. There was another one in 2017, uh, which uh, was due to a heart attack. But then the, the union um, thought that that was also a professional accident. Uh, right after that, uh, workers went on a 24-hour uh, strike, which they renewed yesterday. They went on a second 24-hour uh, strike, demanding that the company will take like more security measures to assure that there will be no uh, accidents complaining that um, uh, the company, uh, Costco, uh, will, is, not, is not accepting their, their demands. They want shifts to consist out of six people in every working group. Right now, they consist out of four. They wish to avoid uh, double shifts. So uh, what is happening at the moment is that when a group enters the port uh, to, to unload the cargo, they have to be standby and maybe take a second shift. So sometimes they have to work like for 12 hours get something like a four hours rest and then go to the, uh, the port again and get back to work. Uh, the workers think that this is causing like, this is creating like very dangerous conditions. Another thing is that is, is precarity. Um, the uh, workers, they're not direct employees of, uh, of Costco and, and Costco has no real responsibility about this, these accidents. Uh, they uh, are workers of uh, companies that work for Costco. Uh, basically, they they uh, they were hired. They were people who were uh, hired for commerce that worked uh, for Costco, who then uh, used them as as a loan. So basically, they they were stripped of of their um, uh, workers' rights. Uh, after 2014, back then there was a an, an insurrection, uh, and uh, the workers unionized. They got uh, basic uh, rights like um, an agreement, like a collective agreement, uh, insurance. And, and they managed to um, get out of the shadow. Until then, uh, labor was uh, uh, highly undervalued. And what kind of actions are the workers taking at this point? What is going to happen now is that uh, the workers will continue uh, on strike until the company um, satisfies at least some of these, of these demands, the ones that have to do with, with security uh, in their work. Do we have a reaction from the Greek labor ministry or, or even the company itself? There have been um, conflicting announcements between um, Costco and the companies that uh, are actually working for Costco because, as I said earlier, the, the main responsibility, according to the Greek law, uh, is, is, is not Costco's. The responsible are the companies that work for Costco. Um, now, that is also a foggy point because uh, yeah, during the uh, previous governance, uh, there had been um, uh, a law that um, uh, forced Costco to take some responsibility. Uh, but that that actually changed um, uh, with the current government. The Ministry of Labor, uh, we actually we we put a question to the Ministry of Labor of Labor, and they they said that uh, they they have no comment uh, until um, the report by by the authorities 
uh, is is handed in, and that might take actually several weeks or even months. Opposition thinks that um, uh, this is an avoidance. Uh, they're avoiding to um, to uh, to accept that um, they have left Costco um, unaccountable for these uh, for these accidents. Uh, while on the contrary, they are uh, giving Costco even more room in the uh, in the bureaus. They're giving them more more space and more more rights to basically do whatever they want. Mm-hmm. And how did Costco manage to control the 67% of the board? When was the deal signed and what was decided and what were the reactions? Uh, there has been a sign of a new agreement, you know, but in 2016, in the Belt and Road Initiative, uh, the major agreement that handed over the 51% of the port of the organization that runs the port of Piraeus, and that was during a series of government um, uh, was signed in, in, in Athens. A few days ago, uh, the, the uh, Costco uh, and the Greek government, they signed a new agreement that now hands over 67% of the port and opens the way for new structures, new constructions in, in the port. So Costco is actually expanding in, in periods. The condition uh, in 2016's contract was that uh, Costco uh, would um, uh, invest 290 million uh, euros in, in local structures, uh, which means that uh, that would be like environmental projects. Um, it would be like the um, uh, permanent structures on the, on the port that are necessary. That was part of the deal. Costco did not keep that part of the deal. And uh, it um, complained that uh, the reason was that uh, the Greek uh, bureaucracy did not allow them to, to do so and local resistance. But our reporting says that this is not actually true. Um, uh, that in, in most cases, um, the licenses were issued very quickly, um, uh, despite the fact that the, the Greek state can be extremely bureaucratic. And I read in your article on Euractiv.com that one of the reasons uh, that there are reactions is the fact that the company does not comply with environmental protocols. Do you know if there will be any action taken on this? What Costco calls as local resistance was minor injections on uh, environment, environmental issues that uh, de- de- delayed the uh, above-mentioned uh, constructions no more than, than a few weeks. Uh, on the contrary, Costco did not um, come in and and, um, and start and, and initiate those um, uh, investments. Uh, so now, uh, in the, um, the renewal of the agreement, what has happened is that the Greek government has, has given another five years to Costco uh, to finish those investments. And uh, if uh, they uh, meet resistance, uh, then they will have another five years, so in total 10 years, to actually implement uh, their obligations. Uh, The problem in this case is that there's an essential change in the contract, uh, which is not forcing Costco to do so, but allows the government to withdraw if it doesn't. Um, Now, that is tricky because it opens the way for the essential change of what the construction's work are going to be and uh, what environmental groups now um, and politicians from the oppositions uh, are saying is that this will probably lead to the construction of another marine uh, in in the port and it will um, uh, free uh, Costco from actually um, uh, implementing environmental projects. And what about the relations between Greece and China? Is this somehow influencing them? In this atmosphere, um, yesterday, uh, Foreign Minister Nikos Dendias, the Greek Foreign Minister, 
had a meeting with his uh, Chinese counterpart, Wang Yi, who is um, in Greece for an official visit. Uh, Wang Yi uh, came to uh, uh, basically ratify the agreement. Uh, he met with the Prime Minister, Kyriakos Mitsotakis, and then with, with Nikos Dendias. Uh, as you can probably imagine, uh, the, the situation in the port, uh, the strike and the upheaval in the port was not part of the discussion. Uh, quite the contrary, the discussions uh, took place in a, in a good atmosphere. China is investing a lot in Piraeus um, and in Greece as being like the main entrance to Central Europe. Um, and um, the, according to their statements, this is a cooperation that is going to expand. Uh, now, both Zendias and uh, Yi said that that would be for the benefit of the local communities here uh, in, in Athens. Uh, but quite honestly, that, that has to be proven. That's not proven yet. Well, thank you, Mathe. And our time is up for this week. I am Evikiori, and this was your Actives Beyond the Byline podcast. We will be back on your feed next week. Until then, subscribe to our podcast newsletter and visit youractive.com for the latest news. And don't forget to listen to this podcast on your favorite podcast app. Thank you for listening. Thank you.